This episode of Youth Ministry Booster Podcast is brought to you by Grow Curriculum. See what 800 other churches have learned, that Grow isn't just a curriculum, but a strategy for growth in your ministry. Visit www.youthministrybooster.com on the Curriculum tab to learn how you can get Grow Curriculum and Youth Ministry Booster to boost your entire ministry for 2018. Youth pastors in the know, go with Grow Boosted. Hey everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Youth Ministry Booster Podcast, the place where people not only want to work a little harder and get a little healthier in youth ministry, but have some good times too. So back fresh off the long van ride and the overnight plane stay here with two of my favorite people uh, from Chattanooga, Tennessee, now to the comfort of your earbuds, your car ride, or wherever you're off next to, I'm here with Kristen Lascola, Kay Cola, and Chad Gus Higgins talking about youth ministry. And then today's big question that we've got to talk about is communication, speaking, hanging out on stage, and why killing it might be killing us. But before we get into killing it softly, uh, Chad Higgins, it's something we got to settle as a team here. And uh, Chris, I need you to weigh in as judge. Um, how does everybody feel about a warm glass of cold? Wait, I was about to <laughs> say, dude, milk. if you're throwing out warm into this mix, like I am solely out here's the thing <laughs> chocolate milk milk is i'm a great fan of it and here's why this discussion is even happening oftentimes <laughs> catch everybody up to speed on on the conversation before the conversation of why we need all of our audience listeners to hear Kristen lascola weigh in on the chocolate milk debacle <laughs> so a lot of times zach workin will give me a call in the early afternoon as he's on his way to pick up his son from what is it, daycare, right? Preschool daycare, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his little boy is so cute. But every day, as as I get this phone call, his son is in the back seat of the car, like going next level, like needing chocolate milk, right? And he's just in the back screaming. Chocolate milk! Chocolate milk! <laughs> Needs his fix, man. Needs his fix. Sound like chunk. <laughs> and so it's like, I can't even hear Zach. As I just feel like he's back there, like, throwing things, like, <laughs> ripping his garments, right? Like, kicking dad's chair. It's like a bad plane ride, yeah. <laughs> Chocolate milk! It's like over and over, man. Hey, Zach, how about you get the chocolate milk before the phone calls? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you just be the oh it down. parent maneuver. Oh, Quiet, no. Then it's not content. fresh. Then it's warm. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because then Zach's doing this thing where he's like trying to talk to me and then trying to like calm his son down literally almost every day. Right. And so it's like, okay, yeah. we got to do this, this, and this. All right, buddy, yeah. we're going to get chocolate milk. You know, <laughs> There's just some day that Chad's waiting for chocolate milk to show up at his front door. Right. He just feels like he's been like coaxed and calmed down. And it's like, well, it's chocolate milk time. So my question to Chad is, does Martha start stocking more chocolate milk in the house because you get the hankering for it? And my question to Kristen is, is it wrong to feed your kid chocolate milk every time they ask for it? (laughs) So first of all, Martha and I, we are... Um, we're almond milk people, right? Which, okay. <laughs> how you milk an almond, I have no clue. But um, 
We we do the almond milk thing, and so I will Heck say yeah. my my wife has purchased chocolate almond milk mm. that I have yet to try. Right? It is <laughs> seems just like been a like, stretch. It seems like a stretch. It's been sitting in the refrigerator, <laughs> looking at me every time I open it, and I'm just like. They don't make almonds in chocolate. Wait a minute. If you can Wait, is it regular... chocolate-dipped almonds that they milk, or is it almond milk <laughs> that they add chocolate sauce to? Like, that. that's a question that I need answered uh, down below. Yeah. When, when, so, like, I'm a very visual thinker, right? And so when you say a comment like that, like, in my mind... Like I see one of those like cattle feedlots, right? Where all yeah. these little almonds, <laughs> almonds are lined up, yeah. and, yeah, dipped in chocolate. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it goes. Oh, uh, Kristen K. Cola, mom, mom in the middle here. Uh, yeah. Hey, Zach, chocolate you, milk every day. N- First of all, you are so patient because if I was on the phone in the car and my kid kept saying chocolate milk, I would put the phone on mute and I would say, you be quiet until I get off the phone or you are not getting any chocolate milk ever in your life. Oh my gosh. If she interrupts me while I'm on the phone, I like flip out. So you're so patient. Hey buddy, we're going to go to Sonic. I'd be like, no, (laughs) you're not getting chocolate milk. First of all, because it's disgusting second of all because you interrupted me you know what this is something you need to know i hate milk so all forms of milk regular milk we do not drink milk in my house i'll put it on cereal but my kid i think we went to the dairy but purely for decorative reasons like yeah yeah yeah. like we did it for cooking like there's certain things like you make muffins and you need milk and stuff like that but there's milk in stuff. There's just not milk. Around. Yeah, it's it. like a like who just drinks a glass of milk? Not in my house. But uh, we went to the dairy and they gave her this chocolate milk and she was not about it. So yeah, okay. we're a milk free okay. home. Now, do you like no. if you were to get Oreos? Would you get milk? And or that's you a, just going- that's an exception. If you gave me a nice warm oh. brownie or a chocolate chip cookie, I think I could do it. But here's okay. a pet peeve: milk with food, like. How could you eat like a regular dinner, meat and potatoes, and then a nice glass of milk? I just, I've never understood that. I can't, yeah, I can't go yeah. there. Sorry, there you go. There you but go. I do use almond milk in my smoothies, so I'm right there with you, Chad. So, okay. <laughs> well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The chocolate milk debacle, uh, debacle, 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 chocolate milk debacle <laughs> of uh, 2018. If you want to weigh in, your comments below. Oh, Chad Higgins, for final word, rebuttal. I, I just I want to ask for something, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You can edit this portion even out. I would love at the end of this episode if you could just get your son yelling for chocolate milk. <laughs> okay, back. I'll get it recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so make sure to listen to the end to uh, hear one of those recorded Isaiah chocolate milk things. You can make that your ringtone for me. That's great. Just people all over that listen that whenever Zach work and text or calls, chocolate milk! Yeah, that's great. Yeah. No, I'll be honest, though. If somebody shows up to some conference we're at, and from the background, I just hear off of somebody's phone, your son yelling chocolate milk. Chocolate milk! I'm going to be a little weirded out by it. That's true. I'll be like, he's here? How'd he get here? I'm worried. Yeah, that's good. But if he were there, he would be yelling for chocolate milk. He would be. If it's 3 p.m., it's chocolate milk time. That's, <laughs> that's how we set our clocks every day.
So uh, for all of our folks that are listening, we do want to get into a youth ministry question. And I think this is one that's been on our hearts uh, last little bit. So we're spending the rest of this month kind of talking about communication-related things. For a lot of us, we teach on stage weekly. Uh, maybe it's a stage to 20 people or a stage to 200 people. Uh, at some moment in each week for a lot of youth ministers, student pastors, there's a time where you grab a mic and you want to communicate gospel truth. Call it a sermon, call it a talk, call it stage time, call it the end of chapel, whatever. There is a moment where we get up and we try to preach, uh, exposit scripture, exegete scripture, and, and communicate the gospel truth well to our students. Alongside that is the culture in youth ministry that's maybe particular to youth ministry. I don't know how it fares for senior ministers and other preachers of how well that talk went. And I think the conversation today that I want to have with you, Kristen and Chad, the question we want to ask is, is it good if we kill it? <laughs> when I've heard this phrase pop up. I've seen it in Facebook groups of like, hey, man. So hypothetical situation, spouse, youth worker, friend ask, hey, how'd your talk go tonight? And they respond back, dude, I totally killed it. And I begin to wonder, one, what does that even mean? And two, is that the same as crushing it? I, pr- I, I would also substitute crushing. I think crushing it's probably for those that wrestle with the violence of the word killing it. But one, okay. one, what does it even mean? And two, is it even the right way to be talking about what we're doing? Because I think there is this, like, there is a thing that we do in youth ministry that is unique, right? Like, so, so different than a lot of what we ask our volunteers to do, which is to lead small groups, or we bring friends in to do, which is you know lead the song team or run tech or play games. There is this certain kind of core thing to being a pastor figure and, and it's proclaiming truth but it's proclaiming the gospel again sermon talk whatever you want to call it and this language of celebration on how well it went being killing it or crushing it i think is one weird i don't know what it means exactly and two i don't think it's good for us and so i think if we could talk a little bit today about what all goes into the idea of crushing it or killing it you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, I think, is like having a realistic perspective of ourselves a little bit because, you know, they do surveys that show that 90% of pastors think they're a better than average communicator, which that's a mathematical impossibility. 90% cannot be better than the like you can't be better right, right. than half of the people um and so i think sometimes we have this little bit inflated view of of how um effective of a communicator we are and obviously you can you can err on the other side of that too you can be um not a very confident speaker not think you're very well but i think <laughs> the majority of youth pastors probably struggle with the thinking that they're better than they actually are so i think we start with a realistic view of our skills um we can't get that um just on our own for sure so i think the smartest thing the smartest place we can start is inviting people to speak into that gift, whether, um, you know, your spouse will have no problem being honest with you. Hopefully, um, my husband definitely never holds back. So, um, you know, asking for some feedback from the people that are consistently hearing you, uh, speak, recording yourself and inviting somebody to watch that footage with you and then getting a baseline. Okay. Where am I at? Because it's, it's something we're going to have to do, but we, I think we can't even move to the next step until we have a realistic view 
of what we do. Just because we have the pastor title, it doesn't make us gifted communicators. Well, and, and so many of us haven't even been trained in it, right? And that's one of the things that I, I think I think we're just all imitating, copying some other forms that we've seen or trying to slap a couple things together. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm not advocating everyone's going to take like speech classes. But I think that if you don't have an honest evaluation of even where you're at or what you're doing, like then everything is emotionally subjective. It is how I felt, how well it went, or you know, was I in the groove for whatever. Like I think we'd have some serious, serious like like evaluation of how, do you have weird hand gestures? Do you uh, talk louder than you ought to? When you get quiet, is it too quiet? I mean, I think there's a lot of things that go with. The the evaluation, the consideration, the critique of what you're trying to do, other than just how you felt about it, and probably feeling about it's probably one of the worst worst ways to measure it. Yeah. Well, so here's a very weird example, right? Um, a uh, a little while back, so I've been trying to do stand up comedy, right? <laughs> That's um, right. We haven't told wait, everybody this. You, yeah, yeah. This, so, this is what D yeah. now speakers do in the off season. <laughs> Is they go do stand up on Monday nights instead of D now talks on Saturday nights? Chad Higgins, uh, let's share. <laughs> wow, so, I'm excited. Yeah, so I've been doing a little bit of stand up around like Tulsa, Oklahoma City, and things like that, and what? it's been yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So I invited Zach to come watch me do a set in uh, yeah in, in Tulsa, and so Does it's like cuss? an open. A lot. Just, <laughs> I mean, every word. I'm just laying it no, out. No, we talked there. about it. He's a no, um, comedian. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> which, which is uh, very different, right, than most of those rooms that I walk into. Um, he also didn't leave an altar but, call, though. So let's just go ahead and make that clear. <laughs> He's clean, but he didn't have an altar call. So before you gloss him too highly. <laughs> So I invite Zach to to come to this, right? And this was an an open mic night, so it's a lot of other like new newer comics or people that are working on like new material and things like that. Well, I get up there to a room that like the previous like few before me have been like very nervous and like unsure of on a mic or whatever, right? And I wasn't thinking of how starkly different, right? Like my own speaking style is when you like follow something like that. And so like immediately when I sat down and I asked like Zach how it was going, right? Like one of the first things that he critiqued was like, you, you got up there and you were so, so sure of yourself and so confident that it was almost overwhelming yes. wow. in that room. Um, Chad, Chad and, walked and, and, up and began to speak with a thud. I mean, it was like when he got up there, it was like, hey, you people. And it was just like, whoa, uh, <laughs> a, a friendly hi, I'm Chad would be nice, but whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, it was just like there was almost too much authority in a way that I even knew him. And I was like, um, hold wow. on. Yeah, it was, it was, That's yeah, interesting. It was but it's it's interesting, right? In a situation like that, right? To to be critiqued and get feedback in a, in a way of of, of re, being reminded of like, okay, the room and this is a different like environment than what I'm used to speaking in, and all of those kind of things. And so taking those into consideration, I think, are really important. To go back to what we were talking about of just like maybe some of us having this overinflated view of how great of a communicator we are and all that kind of stuff. And of course, if you're listening to this message. 
we're totally talking about the guy down the street, not yourself, <laughs> right? Like you understand that, right? This episode is definitely for someone else because you are killing it. We get it. Share it with a friend. Yeah, share it with a friend. Zach, what do you think is like some of the biggest pitfalls when we get to this place of thinking that we're a better communicator than we actually so, are? So the thing that I would share, and, and maybe this comes a little bit, Chad, from our speech and debate days. Even when you're at the top of what you're doing, there's still more to learn. And, and I think I think we know that's true, and it's maybe easier to stomach in realms of like Bible study or theology. There is always room for you to be a better communicator, a better speaker, a better proclaimer, because there is always new rooms, new challenges, <laughs> and new opportunities to learn from. And, and that's where if you feel like you've got it figured out in whatever size room you're in, then my challenge is to find a new space, a new space to speak in, whether it's a little bit larger, a little bit smaller, because there's things that are true different to every size room you speak into. I think for a lot of guys, a lot of girls that teach on the regular, they're pretty comfortable with their size group. So if that's 20, 30, 40, 200, whatever it is, you feel comfortable with that size group. My challenge is to try it in a different direction. You either ask to, you know, speak in maybe an adult class that's larger or, you know, find a way to speak to a group that's smaller because there's going to be things that happen inside of those different dynamics that will inform you and grow you as a speaker. I think all of us think we want the next size room up, but there's something that happens in a little bit smaller room that I think also prepares you for a larger room and the way in which it's meaningful to establish contact, right? Like like it's, it's one of those in, in a large room, one of the things that you learn is that you only are actually talking to 40 people anyway, and then inside of that 40, you're trying to meaningfully connect with four people because you want the overflow, the resonance of the, you, you can't actually speak to a room of several hundred people. You're trying to meaningfully connect with a few people that will identify with the rest of the group. And so if you're thinking, well, a bigger room, make me a better speaker. No, there's things you can learn now from that. I think the evaluation of actually seeing yourself recorded through video, hearing yourself on audio, there's things that are weird about your voice that you need to work on. There's things that like when we started doing this together that if you go back and listen to those old, old episodes, 120 episodes ago, some of these things like, man, like there are things that I do then that I hope I do less of now, whether it was with ums or clicks or what's or nots and like all the things that we fill space with, the ways in which we're uncomfortable with the way in space is. And so wherever you're at, my challenge for, for everybody listening is that if if you feel like you've hit a plateau, then find a new way to shake it up to stretch yourself. Because I think for a lot of us, we need we need the challenge to stretch into, or else we're just going to keep doing what we've always done, and we're always going to have either an inflated view of our results, or we're going to get deflated because we don't see anything new come out of what we're trying to do. Yeah, I you know I think for a lot of this uh, you know podcast, we've been talking about being um, a better communicator on the. The, the technical side of things, right? Like learning to speak to that audience size, those kind of things. The thing that I would love to like look at and talk about a little bit is the other side of being a communicator, right? Not necessarily the technical side of things, but where our heart is when we're commuting things, communicating things. And I think that that leads us to really why we're asking this question. Like what does it mean when we say that we've killed the talk, right? Or whatever, in, in thinking that way, like we get all the credit of it. Um, we also, though, in the thinking, like when things don't go well, right, um, we take all the brunt of it, all of those kind of things. 
But my big question is, where does that leave our heart, right, when the evaluation of how the sermon went is totally based on how we delivered the message, right, rather than um, maybe the process that it takes for the Word of God to begin to transform, you know, a heart and mind. And and that's, especially when we're looking at it from a youth minister's perspective, and I, I know for a fact that there have been multiple nights where I've probably walked off of stage with, you know, a student ministry and gone, well, that didn't, I don't know if that really landed or, or they really grasped what I was talking about. But I know that you compile a lot of those nights together, right? And it leads to, you know, some transformation in students' lives over time, those kind of things. And so I think it's really important that we continue to evaluate things correctly. And rather than evaluating um, how well we thought we did as a performer, we're evaluating how faithful we were into sharing um, scriptural, uh, this scriptural message as clear as we possibly can, right? Those kind of things that I think are really, really important. And just being a mindful pastor of constantly asking ourselves, where are our students at? I think even more important than how well we spoke is maybe how well we're in tuned with where our students are at, that we would know what they need to hear, right? And so I think when we're youth ministers that um, are are conscious of those kind of things. We're um, we're in tune with the relational aspect of our students. Then we're able to um, communicate the correct things at the correct time. And as a communicator, communicator, I think those that's one of the most important things, right? Rather than like technically how flawless it was, um, the content and and um, the power behind the message. You know, as I talk to a lot of like young youth ministers, not necessarily even when it comes to communication, one of the things that I always hear often from them is, I don't know what I'm doing, right? And because of that, they come to this place of being reliant on the Lord, right? And then it seems like for most youth ministers, if we're not careful, myself included, I know I walked through this for years we get to this place of being proficient at what we do, and we become less reliant on the Lord, and we become more reliant on our own talents or our own abilities. And then it always seems like the like old guys in youth ministry that have been in it for years and years, they thankfully end up cycling back to this place of realizing that they don't know what they're doing, right? And and they come back to finally this place of humility of being led by the Lord and listening to the Lord. And and I think it's wise to understand that I think for most youth ministers, we're going to walk through that season. And I and I hope for most of us when it comes to communication, we're, we're leading and we're communicating from this place of humility rather than look at how great of a speaker I am. No, Chad, I think that's really good what you have to say because I think there is something to – if we could just know the science of it, we'd package it up and sell it to everybody, right? Like if there was if there was just a way to make everybody more perfectly technically proficient in what they do, then we'd package it and sell it. There are ways to improve. There are ways to up what we're doing. But there is something core to what we're trying to do that is a power beyond our proficiency. That being said, there are some things – that we do want to share and deliver to you that I think will help to facilitate that the talk is not just the 12, 20, or 32 minutes that you prepare each week 
as its own thing. And so Kristen, give us, give us a little bit of like, okay, we're, people are hearing this message. They're feeling like, yes, there's things I need to be evaluating, uh, critiquing, learning, growing, being stretched, but also being reminded that it's not just what I can do. It's more than what I can do. Cause it's not just me doing it. So gu- guide us in a few of those things that get us from where we're at to maybe a next kind of step or next level. Yeah. And I think, I think we start with a couple of questions. Um, and one of the gut checks, you know, Chad, you talking about where's our heart at. And one of those gut checks is how much, how much time are you honestly spending prepping your messages? So, you know, we have a lot on our plate, um, and a lot of things that, um, are fun to do that are, exciting that are visually, um, you know, like a funny video or a cool game or some cool graphic stuff. And then sometimes leaving our message prep as an afterthought. So I think first of all, we have to, once we know like, okay, what kind of speaker am I looking at? Okay. What kind of time am I giving to this? Because this is the crux of our job, right? To preach the gospel. Chad, like you were saying, being faithful to preach that. I mean, that's our, that is job number one. So is our time reflected in that, in our prep? Because maybe we're not a great mm. speaker because we just don't give time to <laughs> it, right? D- does, does it sound like Saturday night? Right, That's right, always right. the... <laughs> I think that's a way to gauge, like when you listen to someone talk, like what night of the week does it sound like they wrote this? Did they write it three weeks ago and they forgot what they wrote? Or does it sound like they're rewriting it because they wrote it last night or they didn't write it down at all. And this Sunday morning, they're just hamming it up trying to get through it. Yeah, and it shows. And I think we've all felt that too of like, I am not prepared. Like God help me. And you talking, Chad, about relying on the Lord. You never rely on the Lord more than when you're not prepared for your message, right? Like, please just let something good come out. Um, and so after that, then I think there's just this tension and, you know, guys, we were talking a little bit about it before the show is just the tension between our content and our delivery and what is more important. Can you even answer that question? Because when I'm teaching my interns how to speak, the very first assignment I give them is just listen to a bunch of sermons. Don't pay attention to the content. Just listen to their delivery. Just listen to how they're saying it. Where does their energy change? Where did they lose you and why did they lose you? What I want you to pay attention simply to delivery because preaching the gospel, especially to students, um, we have to be engaging, but we can't be only engaging and just make them laugh and have no real content. So, you know, I hold both in a very high regard, content and delivery. Um, it doesn't mean I'm focused on one more than the other. It means in order to package this the way that it's going to hit someone, I have to be equally focused on both. Um, and whether you speak to junior hires or high schoolers, I mean, your delivery and stuff can get a little bit different, but you know, Chad, like you saying, knowing your audience, knowing what they need to hear, but then on delivery, how do they need to hear it? Because the way I preach the gospel to a Mm -hmm. high schooler, I'm going to preach it a little differently to a junior hire because I need to speak their language, like be all things to all people. I'm going to use a different reference with a junior hire than I am with a high schooler than I am with an adult. And so if we are masters at our art, master communicators, we're going to know how they need to hear what they need to hear. Um, And so there's just a few like practical tips, you know, that I run through with my interns of how to uh, do this well. Once we have amazing content, because the first message I ever gave, believe it or not, it was on Eve because I'm a girl in ministry and they give you stuff like that to do. They 
my my pastor that I was working on. <laughs> a- Eve, Esther, and Wait, Martha. Wait, there a yeah. in there too? Because I don't know how to teach anything except for um, girls. So I got to do right. Eve. <laughs> I'm a girl teaching girls in a room full of hey, girls. Listen. Look out Have world. you ever taught on Proverbs 31? <laughs> oh, my favorite passage in the whole Bible. <laughs> You know what? I have not. I have not. Can you believe Wait, it? I what? call myself a woman and I have not taught on Proverbs yeah, 31. Lee. Get out of town. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I remember after I got off stage, my pastor did an immediate evaluation with me and he said, Kristen, your content was great. He's like, it was all true. It all made sense. He's like, you were teaching a class though. And I was like, was that Mm. bad? He's like, this isn't school. He's like, you need to learn how to engage them, not teach them. And I thought, oh, like he said, you know, your content was wonderful. So then I started thinking of how do I become a speaker, you know, not a teacher, not compromising the content. So um, depending on the age group you work with, number one, I would say keep it fairly short. You know, if you can't say what you need to say, Shorter than you guess. Yes. Shorter than you guess. If you think 25 is your, if you think you're doing a good job at 25, yeah. let's start with like 20. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and if you're teaching a, a class or something, you know, this is totally different, but this is speaking. So, I mean, I know some youth groups that they don't do any messages over 15 minutes, you know, uh, for middle school um, to keep it short, because if you are a master at the content, you will be able to say it and say it well. I feel like we ramble when we're not quite certain about what we're saying. So that is a reflection of our preparation of how short we can keep it and say what we need to say really well. Um, you know, and, and I can't tell you how long your sermons need to be, but let's just say short. I can. I can. <laughs> What's an ideal length for you, Chad? Um, I think you have one minute for every year that they've been alive. <laughs> <clears throat> That's my rule. Wow. Is, is, is I, I, think, I, I think that for every year that they've been alive, you, had, you have one minute. Um, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that like an 18 year old kid can't do over an eight, 18 minute talk and, and often they will. Right. Um, but being able to say everything of importance inside of that 18 minutes is yeah. I think a, a really good way to look at it. One, one of the things that I always encourage people to do, because oftentimes when you hear people talk that that aren't great communicators they feel like the longer the talk was the the more in depth it was but in right right longer right. equals deeper but in all reality yeah. if you have a, a phenomenal phenomenal communicator if you can take a 30 minute talk and put it into 15 minutes and not lose any content you're a phenomenal communicator and and I think learning the art of that and how to do that well um, is a science that I think for many youth ministers we should um, we should really concentrate on. Right, write your 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 immediate talk, and then go. How do I condense this in such a way that it doesn't lose any of the content, any of the points, any of the references? but it's a sh- just a shorter, more precise uh, message. Well, and the, the cool thing that I think is very different now that maybe like 20 years ago wasn't even a thing is there's so many accessory outlets to put those extra minutes, right? So if you feel like, man, I just want to share 40 minutes worth of stuff, that's fine for the talk sake, for the sake of the sermon, for the sake of the talk, 
keep it at 20 or less, and then record a 10-minute YouTube video after to share out with your folks or do a couple Instagram videos or write it up as sermon notes in an email or a post. Like There's ways to get the message out there, but don't spoil the moment because you wanted to say things twice or you wanted to belabor yeah. a point. Like You're, you're not going to create any more levels of reinforcement because you said something more than a couple times. You're just going to tire them out from hearing the next yeah, thing and you my were trying husband to say. <clears throat> would always just like circle his finger to me like land the plane Kristen land the plane Kristen you said the same thing a thousand times land the plane and I'd be like yeah, okay yeah. because you know another tip other than keeping it short within the same vein is they don't need to know everything you know about a topic about a subject I did a series recently on uh, truth and we talked about uh, like stuff that had to do with the origin of the universe and you know there's a lot of stuff I could tell them about gap theory and about string theory and all these courses I took in college that would blow their mind but what I mistakenly do is when I tell them too much I don't tell them anything and so their minds over uh, you know over too much information about a topic turns it to mush a little bit and so if it's if it's right, focused, right. if it's like, okay, I want you to leave here knowing today that evolution is a mathematical impossibility and here's what the Bible says, then I use my 20, 25 minutes to communicate that clearly, to communicate that interactively and in a way that they're constantly engaged. Um, so don't think you need to impress your audience with, well, I know all this stuff and they need to know what I know because now right. you've just worked against yourself of making them mentally exhausted and not being able to hear the root. Well, and I think this goes for a lot of our folks that, I mean, and hear me say this with a lot of love, my, my, my seminary compatriots, my seminary cohorts that have had a lot of Bible classes, do your work, don't show your work. I think it's really important to do your work, but sometimes we want to take – this is the classic like senior pastor moment of like, did you know that dynamos is actually the word for dynamite? And it's like <laughs> I, I get the sentiment that you're trying to like connect a, like an ancient language with a contemporary language, but just talk about that this word means power and then save the sermon notes for the book chapter you were going to write. And so for a lot of folks, like do the work to know what you need to say. You don't have to show all your work. If the talk is really good and it's full of power, of spirit-driven infused, prayerful, prepared power, you're not going to have to show line by line every single commentary you read and every single source you fact Right. And, and I think with that too, um, especially for students, <clears throat> bringing in something where they can connect it visually. So you bring in an object yes, lesson, you yes. change up the voice. Hey, here's a cool video that illustrates that. You invite a student up on stage to have them do um, a interactive little experiment with you, and that is keeping them um, engaged, and it helps them retain the point because if they don't remember the point, they remember the object lesson, and that draws them back to the main point. And so I think getting creative and not only using our voice but using visuals and maybe someone else's voice I think really <clears throat> enhances uh, what we're trying to do as well. I don't think we have to lead thinking we're clowns up there and thinking like, I'm just here to entertain everybody. But 
humor is one of the most incredible universal languages that get people's hearts to open. It refocuses their attention. So well-timed humor and everything you do. Um, you know, some people do complete studies on humor just to figure out how to weave it into what they do to keep people's hearts and attention open. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that I think humor is huge, right? Um, the, the, the big advice I would give though, um, in all, and even with humor is as you communicate, be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, I think yeah. that that's, that's huge, right? Like don't steal jokes, just be you. Yeah. But, but even <laughs> in your own humor, right? Like you don't yeah. have to be the funniest youth minister in the world. Right. But just be you allow like, you know, the things that you do say that you want to try to be funny, like say it in your way. Or even if you're going, hey, like the funny's not me, like being able to incorporate those with like videos right. like Kristen was talking about or those in that kind of way. Maybe you are like the strong teacher. Well, if you're the strong teacher, then figure out how that fits in with other elements that are engaging and those kind of things. And so as we work on be- becoming a better, like proficient communicator, uh, be be who you are, right? Authenticity is crucial as we uh, as we share this and as we communicate it, right? There's there's one thing to communicate joy to students, right? It's yeah. a completely other thing to talk about um, the importance of joy in your own life in times right. that are difficult, right? That when we're open and we're honest in that kind of way, like those things are engaging, right? When when we give them a little bit of ourself as we communicate. And so my, my encouragement to, to all of you listening this week, as, as you get off of the stage and as you evaluate how your night went, my hope for you is this, that you would look at the preparation that you've done beforehand to prepare for that night and ask yourself, have I been faithful to the work that's before me? Was I faithful in the moment to communicate the best that I possibly can? You're not comparing yourself to the the person down the road. The best that you possibly could do it. Were you faithful in that moment? And I think at the end of the day, if we can answer yes to those questions, it may not be perfect right now, but when we're being faithful to those questions, we're growing, we're becoming a better communicator, we're becoming a better minister. And, And I think that that's really, really important. All right, so as we wrap it up, stop killing it and start giving life, which is the gospel. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you all next week. Isaiah, do you want some chicken or some chocolate milk? Chocolate milk. You want some chocolate milk? Yes. Chicken or chocolate milk? Upside down. And I'm going to show you things you've never seen.